Hello and welcome to the Health in Focus with Jacobus podcast. I am your host, Jacobus Holloway. The purpose of the show is to talk about health healing and healthy lifestyles in a format that is down to earth and pretty easy to comprehend. Most shows will be conversations with experts in the field. However, sometimes I will do a podcast on my own tackling other topics that interest me. The focus is on information, education, and even some entertainment. It's not a program where we diagnose, treat, or cure any diseases. In case this podcast and topic tickle your interest, please continue your own research by discussing it with a preferred medical professional, by reading books on the topic, or by doing more research on the internet. I hope you'll enjoy the podcast and that you will become a follower for more show updates. Also, please sign up at my website, healthinfocusnow.com and receive updates on podcasts and articles. Thank you so very much. Let's talk about our guest today. Margie Mills is somebody I have known for about 30 years, living right here in Bozeman, Montana. And we have run into each other throughout the years. We have done work together. And I've even had her on my previous radio show. Professionally, we have been connected with her knowledge of herbal companies and different companies that she was a broker for. And we have uh, always enjoyed that contact as well. But there has always been that personal connection that I felt with you. And listening to you now leading into the podcast, I know that this is going to be a show for for many people who will be who will love the energy. And you mentioned to me just earlier you want to talk about connection with community and disconnection with nature. Now you are somebody who loves nature and it looks like through that throughout the years nature has always been a very important part for you. You live out in the middle of nowhere. You have neighbors, but you love space. You love nature. You love the view. I would like you to tell the listeners a little bit more about some courses that you have done, some trainings you have done throughout the decades and where you are today. Because in my opinion, everything we do is geared towards where we are today. Right, everything you have done has brought you here. I don't mean here in the studio, but <laughs> that too. But in general, where you are today in life and how you look at life. And so, I I want to thank you already for coming in and chatting with me. And we finally decided to press the record button so that we can now delve <laughs> now, deeper into it. Good to now see that you, Margie. we have fifteen minutes left in our day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jacobus. You bet. It's really great to be here. Um, You and I have been on a similar path of healing and interest in humans and helping them, a desire to help them feel good in their body, feel good in their life. And both of us really have a passion just for humanity. I hope I can say that. I see that in you, and I definitely feel the oh, same. Oh, absolutely. I am a people's person, even though I like my alone time, but I do enjoy people. Yeah, and I 
love people and I love my alone time and I absolutely love spending time in nature. And for me, it's more than going for a run in nature or going for a bike ride in nature, which is important. I love it. And that has so much value. But mm -hmm. spending really quiet time in nature, walking slowly, letting my heart rate drop and listening to the sounds of nature, noticing the different textures and colors puts me into a space where I am calm and clear and more creative mm -hmm. and I feel at home. Mm -hmm. And no matter what's happening in my life or where I am on the planet, if I have even just a few minutes to walk in nature, I feel like I'm home. Mm -hmm. And it's a really important way to feel, to, to be able to go out into nature and feel at home because so many people don't feel at home or even have a home. Oh, good point. And... If you, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll answer your question in a moment in the, in the trainings that I've done, but one of my favorite mantras, so to speak, that I received from a teacher in Peru, he would say, you are never alone. You are never alone. Once you understand, the Quechua word is Pachamama, that Pachamama, the earth, is your one true mother, you will never feel alone. Hmm. And when I do feel alone in the midst of a crowd, I remember that. And what does that mean to have the earth be your one true mother? Mm -hmm. You know, if you think about the mothering energy, what mothers provide is nourishment, mm -hmm. warm arms, hugs, Mm -hmm. um, guidance, yeah. and everything we have, even plastics, mm -hmm. come from the earth. Everything. Yes, they do. Everything comes from the earth. Everything That's comes right. from the earth. I agree. No. So, I mean, even the air that we breathe comes from the interactions of what is on the earth. The water falls from the sky and we receive it from the earth and, you know, so the weather. So we could get into the science of that, but it's not necessary. So when you are connected and really feel that energy of the earth, then it's something to fall back on. Um, for me, it's more important than falling back on. It's my primary focus mm -hmm. is to greet the earth and become connected to it, reconnect on a daily basis in the morning, throughout the day, at night. And it helps to keep me literally grounded, brings mm -hmm. me out of my head when I'm worrying. Mm -hmm. And it's healing. And true healing comes, that may, may sound like a judgment, but healing really comes from the earth. There's a really great saying, and I wish I had brought the quote, but it goes something like this. I read it in a, a book on Chinese medicine. He talks about, he says, the masters deny that they are healers. They say that the only true healing comes from your connection with nature. Oh. 
So you can be healed by a healer short term, meaning, you know, a massage therapist or herbs or, um, you know, whatever form of healing you choose, you know, modern medicine, all of that is very important. But your Mm -hmm. connection to nature calms your nervous system down and does the healing. And that's between you and nature and it's free. Mm-hmm. So coming back, I don't remember a time in my life that I didn't have this deep passion for nature. I felt I was connected to it, but actually felt disconnected to it and yeah. felt like I was born into the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I should have been born back when, you know, we lived in, lived right on the land and, you know, hunted all the time, hunted and gathered. And I felt lost. Like, how can I find that? Where can I find that? And mm. I literally craved that and went looking for it yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. And that led me to explore things like something would wake me up and I would say, oh, is that it? Um, And that's how I got into herbal medicine is I had headaches and I found out that plants had medicinal properties. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, whoa, wow, really? And, you know, I grew up in a medical family. I love medicine. I love science. Um, I wanted to go to medical school and be, you know, I was in biomedical science for a short amount of time. And when I really discovered that plants had uh, medicinal properties, it woke me up. And it was I, like a perfect combination for you. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. So I decided actually to go to herb school before I pursued medical school. So I wouldn't have my mind, I don't want to say brainwashed, but so I could... Herb school was shorter, and then I could take that into medical school. Mm-hmm. Long story. So that was really important. It still is a very important part of my life. And the connection with those plants continues to be very important. Yeah. So I'm a certified clinical herbalist. I went to the Southwest School of Botanical Medicine with Michael Moore. Mm. And I could go into what led me down each path, but the short of it is that For you going to herbal school instead of medical school, Mm -hmm. herbal school first, I can imagine then with you saying, as long as I've known, go back into my own youth, Mm -hmm. I've always had that connection. Mm -hmm. So to understand herbs and then pursue more knowledge about the body and the body and the mind, I can imagine that 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 is intriguing. Because you were able to tap into a huge history that goes back thousands of years right. instead of a history that's been around 125 years. Right. Right. And so I think that was uh, that's probably very interesting as well. Yeah. And you and I have had plenty of conversations about the uh, power of herbs and how they heal. And what I really held on to through the years that I was a practicing herbalist and teaching classes throughout the country, working for different companies, is noticing the difference between how people were using plant medicine, herbal medicine, as substitutes for pharmaceuticals. Mm -hmm. And for example, there was a time that people would say, do you have golden seal? It's a great herbal antibiotic, as an example. Yeah. And that is such a 
diminishment of the powers of that particular plant. I see. And yes, it does have antibacterial properties to it with the berberine, but it's one tiny part of it. Mm -hmm. And the bigger part of herbs is that it works with the body to stimulate the body's natural functions. Mm -hmm. So the traditional way of working with plants is not to say, this plant does this, like drugs do, right? That's our mindset, which is fine. That's how we're trained. But plants work to help your systems function optimally. So this isn't an herb class, so I'm not going to go into, no, 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 into no, all the things. Yeah, yeah. But that's that was one thing that was important for me to really ground myself in before if I had gone on to medical school. I think you know that I dropped out of school when Chris, my husband, got cancer. Mm-hmm. And so you were going to herbal school then or you were going to medical school at the time? I was back in school doing my prerequisites for yeah, yeah. to go to medical school. So I'd already gone to herb school, mm-hmm. went, got back into school. And then I became a massage therapist, another mm-hmm. part important part of the healing that I was drawn to, hands-on healing and the human connection, mm-hmm. right? Understanding more about the human body, the physical body, and being able to feel different energies and calm people down, you know, calm their nervous systems Mm -hmm. down. It's not Mm -hmm. just, oh, I'm going to get rid of this pain in my shoulders. But Mm -hmm. And then I had the opportunity to really delve deeper into what I'd been looking for, which was a deep spiritual connection with the earth. And I had the opportunity to spend years traveling and living in Peru, going back and forth and um, working closely with the medicine people in the high Andes and also with the healers in Nepal, the bone tradition. Mm. So the the bone shamans, people call them, but they're um, shaman is actually a Russian word. Uh, I think it's saman is the Tungus word. It's just not the word that I prefer to use. And basically it means that it's someone who works with spirits, um, spirits of the land. It could be any kind of spirit. So I worked with the people in Nepal and in Peru. And then I had an amazing teacher. His name is Maladoma Somme from the Dagra tribe in West Africa. And the combination of working with all of those traditions over the years really helped me to ground deeply into the earth and find my own healing and know how to use those connections to calm my mind, calm my heart. Uh, Doing that work, I could feel my muscles just melting away, any tension. And over the years, what I really came to understand about myself is that my purpose here is to help other people connect to nature and find healing in nature and connect to the earth without any specific tradition necessarily. Mm, yeah, not, not a dogma. Right. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind, yeah, for lack of a better word, without a dogma. And it started to speak to me several years ago when I'd be working with people and teaching classes and 
a word would trigger them or they would say, well, I, you know, I was raised in this mm-hmm. um, spiritual mm-hmm. tradition or religion and am I, am I a bad person for talking to this plant? And mm-hmm. so it started to get mm-hmm. in the way of people just connecting to the earth and getting the healing benefit. So I really started to hold an awareness, the the need to connect people, to guide people to connect to nature on their own without a specific, like you said, dogma, without all the words that yeah, would yeah, get in the way. Yeah, yeah. I was pondering how I was going to do that when I stumbled across the term Shinrin-yoku. Which Shin-yin? shin Rin yoku. Shinrin yoku. Mm-hmm. And that's a Japanese word that translates to forest bathing. Hmm. Some people say that it is an ancient Traditions. tradition, but it's which really it it is, but without that word. Um, in reality, it was developed in the eighties when the Japanese government realized that so many people were getting chronic illness. And the Japanese people had gone from a primarily agricultural-based economy to industrial, and Mm. people were getting very sick, you know, with all the normal things that modern Mm. people have, cancer, heart disease, chronic inflammation, you name it. And they invested time and money and research into finding out why. And part of that was what happens when you expose people to a forest environment? What happens to their health? Mm -hmm. What they found was so positive that they developed trails throughout Japan where people can like walk from their home to work and go through a forest environment. There's centers that you can go to for five plus days to go and immerse yourself in the forest and be guided by these um, Shinrin-yoku therapists and Mm. receive healing. Mm. And my answer was right there. It's like, I don't need to reinvent the wheel I can learn this method, and I found an organization um, to train with that took those very long healing retreats that a lot of people just don't have time for or the money for to, you know, take five to ten days or even three days and disappear. And so this organization developed a three-hour nature immersion, and it's a guided three hours that helps people to get out of their mind and into their body mm-hmm. and become aware of their senses mm-hmm. and become very present. You can do it in a park. You can do it in your backyard, ideally in a forest just because the trees are there near right. running water. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can do it anywhere, anywhere where there's you know just a smattering of nature just to calm down and connect to nature. Mm-hmm. And the... Research on it shows that it lowers your heart rate. All, all, there's all there's just a lot. We can put some links in the podcast to the um, medical benefits of it. But you bet. But most importantly for me and how I like to work is that it connects people to nature and it calms their spirit. Mm. And so on a soul level, without looking at the physical benefits of it, I notice um, that people become more of who they really are without editing themselves. Mm -hmm. They connect to their joy 
they become more vibrant and more willing to speak their truth in a positive way mm-hmm. and just have more happiness in life. It's interesting that my son and daughter-in-law lived in Ashland, Oregon, mm-hmm. and they have some type of Japanese garden mm-hmm. over there in the middle of town where you can just go into. And it's got a lot of trees and bushes and flowers and water and bridges. And And when you are talking about this, it reminds me of that one because it is really a very peaceful place to just go in and walk and walk through it and, and be connecting. Yeah, Ashland is really great for doing a lot of beautiful. Have you ever been beautiful. there? I've been to Ashland. Have yeah, you been so, to that uh, Japanese? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. I haven't. Right. No, mm. if I uh, return in the future, I'll look for it. Yeah. yeah, the Japanese are really great at making peaceful spaces to hang out in. You know, even the little sand, uh, those yeah, commercial I sand. Those. Yeah, I got a little golf course over there. I think. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's forest bathing, and that's one way of connecting to the earth. And so that particular program is a roughly, you know, ideally a three-hour immersion just to give yourself time to calm down, get out of your head, connect to the forest. And then, you know, at the end of it, we do what we call forest tea. And so within it, we share our experiences. I didn't really tell you how we had so much conversation before we started the podcast yeah, and I yeah. forgot what I said and what, <laughs> and what I haven't. <laughs> yeah. You you mentioned right before the podcast some of the things that you have done and certifications you have received and studies you have done. And I thought it was maybe it it gives the the broadness of your knowledge, but it's all seems to connect to yeah. this one drive that you hold in your heart, which is connecting with nature. And it is not that you are, you're, you're traveling outside all the time, but you, obviously you have to live and you do your things and you're a mom, but there is something where you find your resource and where you give back to, because it is an, it is an ebb and flow. It is a give and take. It is a figure eight flow that we have with Mother Nature. You know, you receive and you give back. And part of it is, and what you were telling me, is that you are a guide. You have become a guide throughout the years to help people connect. And it has taken you on your travels over, especially, you know, um, well, around the world, but I would say mm-hmm. a lot to South America. And I think that is, is interesting. So you became an herbalist, you're a massage therapist, uh, you've been... Go ahead and tell people some more things that you have done and you did schooling and and, uh, for medical school, you were going to go over there, prerequisites. And what else are some of the things that you did that... Let's see if I can... Because I thought it was so interesting right before, like I said, before I pressed the record button... You were saying, well, I've done this and this and done that course and trained this and got the certification for this and that. And I think it it gives a, I know you. Mm -hmm. And you and I just have to open our mouth and we're connected. We don't even have to talk. We're already connected. But the listeners probably like to say, wow, it, it it's very interesting what you said, but where does this come from? Where does this, 
And you say, well, when I was very young, but then you started finding ways to learn more about it. Mm -hmm. It's almost, you know it, the the trainings that you have done Mm -hmm. is almost not a training. It's more a reconnection with something that you have an inner feeling about, but now you're able to put it into words and you, 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 it, it is almost like the, you have a fuzzy picture. Yeah. And now the, the pieces start connecting and the, the picture becomes more clear for you. Right. And that is why you're able now to say, listen, I, this is me. And let me show you as an individual what I have learned. And these are some things that I would like you to, if people are interested in that, I'll show you how you can discover that in yourself to feel that connection if that's what your interest is because i'm sure there's more people for who they know there is a connection but it's a fuzzy it's fuzzy Mm -hmm. and they they maybe think they're weird that they have those desires and those thoughts Mm -hmm. but it is somebody like you who helps them to make that a clear picture and connect better Yeah, so you're asking me to make some bullet points, which is good. So (laughs) (laughs) we did that earlier. So let's see. Well, don't you think that is interesting? No, it is. Yeah, so I'm an herbalist, uh, massage therapist, forest therapy guide. Forest therapy guide. Yep, certified Uh forest therapy guide. I'm a transformational wilderness guide, a nature-connected coach, Mm-hmm. So um, I do coaching sessions, guiding sessions in the wilderness, mm-hmm. and I have the work that I have done with the medicine people in other countries don't come with certifications because the work is never done Good and point. they don't have a board of directors that says you have accomplished that. It's about you and your work mm-hmm. with the other world. Mm-hmm. You said it's a reconnection just now, which is spot on for how indigenous people, I, you know, I use that wor- word specifically and also loosely. So the Dagra tribe in what, Burkina Faso, West Africa. Dagra? Dagra, D-A-G-A-R-A. Oh, Dagra, um, okay. They, around the age of puberty... Their um, adolescents go through what we call initiation, mm-hmm. and you know people who are Native in, Americans do just something like that, right? Yeah, and so the English word is initiation, and uh, more on that word in a moment. But what they call it is remembering. So, like you said, it's a reconnecting because mm-hmm. I already knew it, mm-hmm. and that is precisely what happens for all humans. So you come in. So the Dagger people say that nobody comes to this world on vacation. We all come here with a job to accomplish, a gift. We're carrying a gift to deliver in this world. Right. Yeah, I can see that. And we forget. So we're born Mm -hmm. knowing it. And then up until about the age of puberty, we forget. And then the elders in that tribe take those adolescents through a long ritual, a weeks-long ritual, to remember. 
Mm-hmm. So they have direct communication with the spirits for their own remembering of what their gift is and how they are mm-hmm. to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they say, I love this part, that no elder can tell them what it is because they won't believe it. Oh. They have to remember for themselves so they can feel and connect with the power of what they came in here to do. Mm-hmm. We don't have that in modern times, in modern cultures. And you mentioned Native Americans. And what I would say is, you know, I use the word indigenous because we all come from, in our ancestry, we all started off as indigenous people someplace. Our grandparents, our great-grandparents, our great-great-grandparents, going back to the the nature-based connections that we had. And so anyone who is feeling that call to connect with nature more and connect to the spirits of nature is connecting to that ancestry. So it does not have a specific color of their skin or tribe or anything like that. If you are craving it, you can have access to it. By connecting to the earth. Mm -hmm. And it is really important to know that so you can feel at home wherever you are on the earth. Mm -hmm. In my opinion, I believe in reincarnation. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. When I think about it, it makes sense to me. Do I know specifics about my own previous incarnations? Mm -hmm. No. I, I don't need to know. I don't crave it right? because to me, it doesn't matter, but it does make sense to me. When I hear you say you don't use the word incarnation, you say more, we are the present of different generations going back a far time and wherever that started part of that momentum was passed on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. And so where we are today is a accumulation of connection and knowledge and feelings and inspiration Mm -hmm. and experience in what we do that has been transferred from one generation to the next. Is there a difference between what I say and what you say? They're both. Both. There, there is a difference and both are true at the same time. So we carry the memories of our ancestors in our DNA. I am by no stretch of the imagination in an expert in epigenetics. But, I, you know, there's so much research into epigenetics and how our... Mm-hmm. Um, so that comes through in our DNA from our ancestors. Yeah. And... I will just speak in in the language of so many cultures that they they do speak of reincarnation. And sticking with the Dagger tribe, they say that we are here in this plane now because we saw that we had something to contribute to this time. We wanted to help. And so we went to the Council of Ancestors and said, hey, put me in, coach. 
I want to yeah. be there. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I have something that I can deliver to help what's happening now. Yeah. You make your case and they send you in to the family that will give you the opportunity to do that. Right. Yeah. So But then you uh, were born and then you have free choice. And so sometimes right. people will not accomplish that's right. They get distracted or whatever it is to their purpose. And yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, cultures work with it differently. And I'm not an anthropologist. I don't have, you know, but what I do know is the cultures that I have immersed myself in and what I practice and the power that it has. And so, like I said, the remembering or the initiation in the Dagra tribe. So then the adolescent says, oh, yeah, now I know. And there's this calm knowing that they then stay connected to by the rituals that they do, the going to the ancestor shrine, speaking to the elements of nature. You know, nature for them is its own element. Okay. Water. Their cosmology has earth, fire, water, nature, and mineral. Oh. So they connect with those elements to keep them on their path, and mm. they do ritual or ceremony, you know, mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. um, what term you prefer and how you're using it. And it connects them continuously to their purpose. And primarily, they are a culture of working with the ancestors. That's yeah. kind of a clunky way to say it. But they go to the ancestors every day and say, hey, this is what I'm going to go do today. I need your help. Mm-hmm. Come home at night. Mm-hmm. Hey, this is what I did today. This is what happened. Guide me on my next step. Mm-hmm. So because we're in a physical body and they're watching from the other side, but they need us to report back and be in communication and connection with them so they can help here. Right. Let them know that they're getting a message. I need to somehow let them know that I'm getting the message. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that tribe. And now I can also understand that within a tribe like that, I mm-hmm. mean, not to want to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. we're now we're living in a world where people travel. Yeah. The tribes like that are very stationary, right? Mm-hmm. They, they have been in the same area for as long as we know. They're not nomads. They don't travel. But we are much more a nomadic population in the Western world. We fly with airplanes. Myself, I was born in the Netherlands. Why? I don't know. But mm-hmm. now I'm in the United States. Maybe I needed to meet my wife in the Netherlands and then have our mission, whatever that mission is, together in life to give birth to the children that we have and the grandchildren. Maybe they have to be born over here. Who knows? I don't know. It would be interesting to find out, but it is not that I make a special effort to know all the details about the why. Right. I'm intrigued by the fact that my life has developed the way it has and that I'm doing what I'm doing today. But a tribe like the Dagara tribe has been very stationary. So maybe certain traditions and rituals that they have are just passed on throughout the soul's incarnation or the tribal history. Yeah, there's a lot. You just said a lot. Um, I know. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, you made me say it. <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately, 
from my perspective, Uh-oh. modern culture has touched virtually every inch of humanity across the planet. Mm-hmm. That isn't necessarily a bad thing, right? For me, it's like, oh, I wish I could go and live in that kind of indigenous, you know, community and tribe where everything is intact and be connected to nature in that way. And it's a hard life, right? Like, you know, food insecurity and weather changes um, and all that. So I mean, not I don't mean climate change. I'm talking about just living out in the open and how you protect yourself and live within that. Right. And I want to be careful not to overlay my modern idea of comfort and convenience onto the quality of life that a true pre-modern tribe would have. You know, their connection and their connection to community and um, their rituals is very powerful. It was developed over how many thousands of years. Yeah. And with colonization and us removing forcefully people from their traditions, they're very much losing that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Right. And I'm not going to get into, you know, who's doing it and why and how it's coming about. The bottom line is that it is getting... More and more diluted, I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, I... Uh, That's a huge part, actually, of this whole conversation. You're trying to reconnect people with the earth because you know that's innate. That's what we all would like to connect with that and have that feeling. So we can see the difference between nature and what the world is today, what the world has become, right? right? Actually, that is a great point. That's a great point. Thank you. (laughs) I think it was your point. Yeah, it is. That is what this conversation is about. And and that's where this information comes from. Also, in terms of my purpose here is I've always had this craving to live in that kind of society and felt so disconnected. And finally, the understanding, you know, I've done uh, my time over the years and spending solo time on the land was my own form of initiation and remembering of, yes, that's what it is. And I'm here first to connect myself Mm -hmm. and remember Mm -hmm. and then guide the people who are interested in learning how to connect and how to feel and how to get that information for themselves to feel at home to guide them to do that in a variety of different ways, you know, whatever they are open to and available to with time and commitment and money and um, where they're at in the Mm. process. Mm -hmm. Something that's really important along the line of this conversation with uh, where, you know, we're touching on ritual and tribes and, you know, the dilution of their practices, mm-hmm. although we haven't said that specifically, there's, we're going in that direction, is the awareness that the human disconnection from the wisdom of the earth is different than the wisdom itself being gone. And, you know, I often hear, and and I have felt this same way throughout my life, is that, oh, the old ways 
of being in ritual with the earth and communication with the earth are disappearing and we need to revive them. Uh, that is true. You know, our languages are disappearing. The The way people have been on the earth in such a, my experience, a beautiful way, yeah. my perception. Uh-huh. And those people throughout history, where did they learn that from? A book? Mm. You know, where did the knowledge of, if you read the legends of, you know, Native Americans and where this information come from, or, you know, tribes around the world, where did they get the information? They didn't get it from a book. It's true. You know, even the great prophets, they went out into nature. Mm-hmm. And they listened. Mm-hmm. So the information is available to anyone who is called to go and listen. I we see. go to Google, mm-hmm. but then you're trusting Google, you know, right, or whatever, right. whatever a human put yeah. on there. And there's always new information for modern times. You know, when I say new, it's like you can give... As an example, when someone comes to see you for some advice, you can say the same thing over and over to this person who comes week after week, and then something new arises. You know, new thing. Oh, now, now you've made some changes. Now this is important for you. Does that make sense? I don't know. Absolutely. If that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Um, and so, but to, you have to be able to connect with that individual, otherwise you don't notice. So let's say if somebody comes to me every week, every two, three mm-hmm. weeks, and has questions about a certain problem that may or may not have been resolved. Mm-hmm. You can tell in when you tune in with the person that in their vo- voice or in their eyes, if you if you just if you're quiet. I have that at least. I can tell they're ready for another layer. Call it that way. And I don't plan that. Mm-hmm. I wanted to tell you a story, maybe what you're saying. I had a visit yesterday from a lady who lives in Oregon. She was visiting her daughter over here. I hope if they ever listen to this podcast that they're not going to say, hey, you talked about us. <laughs> her daughter lives here. The mom is from uh, Mexico, and she speaks English, but definitely with an accent. I had to listen carefully what she said. They wanted to talk to me because she was visiting, and I, I think the daughter knows who I am. I did not know the daughter, but she said, you should talk to Jacobus. She is suffering from very painful rheumatoid arthritis, mm-hmm. autoimmunity. She is suffering from diabetes, and she is suffering from depression. And they showed me when they walked in and we sat down, the daughter pulled up her phone and showed me all the medications that she was on. But the mom doesn't feel good. So I said, what happened to you? And then she says to me that she has been depressed ever since her son died. Mm-hmm. And that is 35 years ago. I said, how did he die? And she said he was a month old and he died. Yeah. And 
she said her father died not too long ago, and that really set her back as well. Mm-hmm. And she says, I feel the rheumatoid arthritis is from the depression I have from the loss of my son. So I looked over at the daughter and I said, Were you, are you older or younger than your brother? And she said she was one year older. So she was a year and the brother was a month. And I turned over to the daughter and I said, how has this affected you that your mother became depressed? And she said, well, I was very young. But one thing that she had learned is that her mother was not able anymore to breastfeed the daughter when she was so depressed and so crying for the loss of her son. Now, I I didn't ask if the son had gotten vaccinations and that he died. I think there was a complication of the heart. But again, I personally think that not everybody, not every baby can handle all the medications. Now, 35 years ago, maybe we didn't have that many yet. But if there were vaccinations, it may have hit this child in a way, but it doesn't matter. It's in a irrelevant. Way. It's yeah. irrelevant. Uh, but I'm, I, that thought came up. But mm-hmm. I said, how has it affected you? To the daughter. And the daughter said, well, I have always known my mother being depressed. And she knows why. And I said, what do you do these days? What are you doing? And she said she was, <laughs> she was a psychologist. She did counseling. I said, well, that makes a lot of sense because you're trying to find an understanding why you're dealing with a depressed mother and how that has rubbed off on you. The reason why I bring that story up, it was interesting when she started talking and showed me all the medications that she feels all this pain, right? The emotional pain has come out sideways. And of course, I said to the daughter, have you heard about ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And I did a podcast on that with Marion. And we talk about autoimmunity and ACEs. And she said, the daughter nods her head and she said, well, I know about it, but my mom doesn't want to listen to me. I said, yeah, I know these things you sometimes have to hear from another person, not from your own child. The interesting thing, Margie, is that it showed right away that there was a clear, for themselves, a clear emotional cause, spiritual cause, whatever, right. in this case, that causes her to have pain. Yeah. And about three or four times during our conversations, and it ended up being about almost two hours, but it came up, am I taking the right medication? Can I get off these medications? And I said, you will be able to get off because you're not lacking medication. You, you need to find healing in your emotions, in your grief, in your sadness. In we need to help you with that once we solve that issue. I said, do you talk to your son? And she looks at me and she says, well, he's dead. I said, it doesn't matter. I said, you can imagine him in your mind, what he may look like right now at 35. I said, I talked to my mom. You know, she died in 2008, but I feel leaving the Netherlands and coming over here, I have missed a lot of time with my mother. And I do know that it has made her very sad that I left. And I said, I'm happy I came, but still I feel now since she has passed, 
I can talk to her every day. I can imagine her. I can look at pictures and talk with her. I can do the same with my dad who died when I was 17. I said, you can do that. You can talk to your father. You can talk to your son. And he said, I don't know. I said, try it. Find peace. Let your son tell you it's okay to move on and focus on your daughter now and stuff like that. So the interesting thing is the conversation never went to supplementation or what do you need to do. They indicated, and I don't know why it came out, but it came out. It's all about time, right? Time and place. It came out that the pain probably came from trauma and that the fact that the daughter is doing psychology is because she's trying to find herself because her mother never could give 100% to her daughter. She never could feed and nourish the daughter 100% for what the daughter needed. It was always tainted by the loss of the brother or the son in that case. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah, and what a powerful loss. Sure. You know, and... To say, I don't want to sound trite when I say the cause of it doesn't matter because there could be some guilt around something that happened, right? You know, who who knows what? Mm -hmm. So that could exacerbate it. But the loss of any child, let alone a a baby of that age, is very intense. Mm -hmm. And which brings us to another point in modern times is we don't have a way of dealing with grief that allows someone to fully grieve. We don't want to hold space for people for very long to let them really grieve. And in other cultures, historically, there was a process for it. The whole community grieves still in the same tribe in West Africa, they have grief rituals. And I love this. The the wisdom in these rituals is so profound. They require all people in the village and neighboring villages to come to the grief ritual, even if they didn't know the person, because they say that there's always something to grieve in your life. And grief that is unexpressed is a danger to the community. It's a danger to the village. And you just described a part, a manifestation of how that comes out as a danger. So the mother is holding, and I don't know what her grieving process is. It's not not for me to say, but she still has so much pain around it that, that it's affecting her own health, affected her daughter's health, and how many other people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Her husband. Yeah, her husband. And, you know, we don't know. We're just talking talking in general terms. It came up in her husband and her had a very tough relationship. Right. And and you see that quite often, you know, like people, relationships end in situations like this because there's just so much pain. And... Here is another way by connecting to nature that you can take that grief to nature. Mm-hmm. And I'm with you 100% on talk, you know, that's the going to the ancestor shrine, even if you don't have a specific place that you meet that person who has died, talking to the picture, you know, that is a way of communicating. 
I find it to be incredibly powerful oh. and healing. And like I said, this culture is everything is about the ancestors. I shouldn't say everything. There's other things too, but first and foremost, the ancestors. And the ancestors are in the earth. Right. So they're right there. You know, they say when you fall, you fall into the arms of the ancestors. Yeah, yeah. And you can find similarities throughout a lot of cultures. I. It's true. Yeah, I. But there is a, there is a common, there is a common denominator in all of it that the life will be given and death will happen as well. Mm-hmm. And how do we deal with that process and what happens in between? And I think that with modernization, we have moved, like you mentioned earlier, we have moved further away from nature because it's so easy to be entertained by phones, by TV, by listening to radio shows, by shopping, by... Distraction. Distraction, any kind of distraction. And I think that what you're telling is, I think that many people who are listening today go... I miss connection. I miss connection. And just as I get inspired by a story I just told you, where it almost seemed like I was sitting down with two souls who were totally honest with me and say, we think that this has to do with the pain that happened 35 years ago. Okay. You're telling people in your guidance, as we were talking before the podcast, you, you're able to take people into nature and let them focus on a thing. And people may, by helping them focus, it brings something to them. It, it, it will give an insight and it loosens up something that needs mm-hmm. to come to the surface. And yeah. all of a sudden they do have a vision, whatever that vision, could be five seconds, right. could be a, a second, could be a half hour. Whatever it is, whatever they're ready for, the earth will reveal itself to this individual who tunes in that may be life-changing. Yeah. Nature reflects back to us what we need in the moment. Before we started recording, we were talking about the invitation versus in, in a forest therapy or in, in anything really, but you know, sure. uh, in in the earth, it's like you invite someone to do something instead of telling them to do do it as an exercise. So what I was describing to you is, I invite you to go out and in the forest. In, in this in, case, in the in the forest. In yeah. This case, so yeah. yeah. So in in this case, I invite you to uh, wander out. And notice small things. So you'll be out there for 20 minutes. I'll call you back. And then we'll share what we are noticing or noticed. And the person, the people involved in the group can go and notice whatever they want to notice. It's just an invitation. Mm -hmm. So some people will come back and say, oh, I noticed you know, tiny little pebbles, or I noticed little spiders. And, and someone might come back and say, I noticed the biggest tree I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. And the point of the invitation is not to go and learn something about small things and report back about, you know, how you it was saw. formed. Right. It's, it's an invitation to go and notice. 
And so to come into your senses. And so the way that we start the process of releasing our mind from thinking is to first start to notice the physical body. So touch, sight, Mm -hmm. sounds, our hearing, smell, taste, and become aware, right? Because like you said, we're distracted all the time. So we're thinking, we're watching other things, but we're not really noticing what's happening in the body. And then once that embodiment happens and we are in our senses, there is a different awareness. It comes from the belly and the heart out instead of the head up. Mm. And then we're aware of what's around us. Mm -hmm. And so that person, for example, who notices the biggest tree they've ever seen in their life, Mm -hmm. I don't know why that spoke to them. Mm -hmm. That's between that person and the tree, but something spoke to them. And that's beautiful. And then we go on with more invitations. And sometimes at the end of our time together, People will have a variety of experiences. Like it's it's different every time. People can do this once a week, twice a week. And someone might say, oh, this reminded me of this. And then, you know, have a revelation about their life. Yeah. Or they may say, I feel calmer than I have in a long time. So back to why is it an invitation and not an exercise? It's because this is about the person connecting to nature in the way that the relationship invites the two of them together. Right. And for some people, it would be an instant connection. And some people, they may have to do this several times before they are getting some kind of a reveal that is important to them. Right. And so for some people, the reveal is, I just feel calmer. I just like Mm -hmm. to be in nature. Mm -hmm. Do you know Tom Elpel? Mm-mm. Tom Elpel, born and raised in Bozeman, he has Elpel. Uh, yeah, okay. Tom Elpel. He lives in Pony, Montana, and has used to be called the Hollow Top Outdoor Primitive School. Oh, and he still ha- teaches primitive living skills. Huh. Beautiful human and does really great things in the world, deep connection to the earth. And he talks about nature. Um, I steal this from him often, so I have to credit him with it here. He says, I'm paraphrasing, are you someone who uses nature as wallpaper? Like, is nature wallpaper in your life, right? right? So you're walking through it. Mm -hmm. But you're not connected to it. You know, right. is you it, see it, but you, you don't. You see it, but you're not. Yeah, it's. Um, it's not breathing for you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so because people say, oh, well, I don't need that. I'm out on my, you know, I'm connected to nature all the time. Who am I to say that they are or are not? Mm. But a lot of people can go out on their adventures and never notice anything around them. Yeah. And so the guiding part of it is the slowing down and becoming aware. And with every immersion into nature, doesn't have to be a forest, people live in all kinds of environments, there's a deepening of the connection. I want to bring up when you first started, just before you told the story of this beautiful story of the woman and her daughter. Yeah. You mentioned that 
you were feeling and seeing and noticing the eyes and you didn't plan it and you started to become aware of something, something to the effect yeah, of that. Yeah, what I see in other people. Yeah. And yeah, yeah I wasn't I mean, planning. what I mean is I see that in a person I know intuitively they're ready to hear something different. Right. Yeah. And the way that you put it is you are using your senses. So there's a communication from the connection between the two of you that didn't come from your mind. Like Mm. I learned this in school and now I need to share this with them. And that is the connection that I'm talking about where it's the deep listening to another human, an animal, to a plant, Mm -hmm. where you're slowed down and tuned in enough that you can be given the information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Intuition is a word that I have taught classes on, you know, like beyond intuition, like it is intuition, but how do you really engage with it so it becomes a knowing and you understand and recognize that this is a message for this person or for me? Right, right. right. Yeah, and for me too. You're absolutely right. And I personally, when that happens, in a split second, I feel gratitude. Mm. So is gratitude your indicator that it's a message that's not coming from your head? Correct. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I often say wow in my mind. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I became aware of... Because it is, and and I want to finish that real quick. It's not about me. Right. And it is not, and and I realize at that point that I'm really used as a vessel for those people to come and talk to me, that I had this was the right time, right place for us to meet, for me to learn from what I just saw, and for them to hear what I had to say. Yes. Right? I, I'm in agreement with that. I believe that that yeah. is... Super. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's how it works. Yeah. And I'm remembering now that I became consciously aware of how things come through me or that something information is coming through me working in the herb department at a store with a customer in a similar kind of situation. This is a very, very long time ago. And so it was already happening, this communication, but it it had happened several times, but it was this Oh, what was that? So a woman came to me, you know, I'm an employee in a store and I've got some herb knowledge and she's talking about how her young daughter can't sleep and has all this anxiety and nervousness and going on and on. And she's talking really fast and she's, you know, really animated and worked up and has a hard time listening to... You know, can't get a, a word feedback. in edgewise, yeah, yeah, so to yeah, speak. Yeah. And I had these words come into my head, something to the effect of, it's not the daughter that needs help, it's her. Right. And... I can totally see what you're saying. I, s- I know somebody else where I feel that. Right. And so the words formed afterwards, it was more of a picture and a feeling that... 
the daughter was a mirror of the mother at this point, but I felt it come from behind and through me. And I'm young, you know, I'm barely 20 at this point. And I said to this woman, that's a lot. This must be really hard on you. I have some suggestions to help your daughter because clearly she does need support, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But how are we going to help you? As a mother, this is really hard to see your daughter going through this. Mm-hmm. What can mm-hmm. we do to support you? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's herbs and flower essences and all kinds of things. Sure. But when I said that, she started to cry. No way. And she said, you know, and she just was appreciative of the acknowledgement that she's having a really hard time. Yeah. And... Mm-hmm. Did the chicken or the egg come first? I don't know, but Mm -hmm. they both needed support. And so, Mm -hmm. and I walked away from that like, oh, and and I had been hearing things like that before. It's like, oh, do that, you know, she's not asking about that. They're not asking about that, stuff that down. And then once I became aware of it, then it started to come through more. Mm -hmm. And I'm bringing this up because it is the opening of your heart and really listening to someone Mm -hmm. and allowing the we'll just say the other world to come through and communicate, whether it's the plant spirits or whatever your spiritual tradition is and who you listen to and feeling that gratitude, feeling that gratitude, because like you said, it's not about me. It's not about you. We are there to listen. They're coming to us, hopefully, for help outside of our brains. It's filtering through us. Right. It's filtering through us, and we use that to either simply absorb and thank them for sharing the story, mm-hmm. or what you said, that must be really hard for you as a mother. That is a response that doesn't solve the problem, so it doesn't give a solution, but it does help yeah. in the process of solving really the issue. And if there is a product that goes with it, that would be a bonus to help, but it would never work. Like we go back to the beginning of the conversation. A supplement cannot work unless the person is also ready for it. Right. Right? And if 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 you would say, if she would say, wow, yeah, yeah, and she's crying and she says, I'm just wondering if there is anything in the store that could help with this. And you would say, you know, lavender may be really good for you right now or whatever you would come up with. That person is going to be super receptive to that because right. now it makes sense to her. Oh my God, lavender. I know about lavender. Right. I, I didn't even think about it, but now you mentioned that and you notice that that's the connection. And that's why it is not retail. It is literally connecting people with an option that Mother Nature gives us in the form of a product. Yeah. And y- you and I, again, we've had so many conversations about 
my passion for herbs and and consuming them as close to their natural form mm-hmm. and growing them with the most vibrancy. And so my first go-to in a supplement, so to speak, is herbs, mm-hmm. tea, tinctures, yeah, herbs, flowers, flower essences, and everybody has their own thing that they're connected to. So when someone comes into a store or comes to me and they're not into that flowery herbal stuff. They want something in a pill that says exactly how many milligrams it is. Yeah, It's got the science behind it. You know, they can go to uh, PubMed and look it up and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter to me. My connection is with the plant, but whatever they're connected to mm-hmm. and believe in mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. going to help them more because they believe in it. Yeah. There's a little little aside there, but it's also important. I, I say that because I'm not attached to what other people do to help themselves heal. My job is to share the connection to the to nature and the forest and the elements with people who also have that connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when my father got was diagnosed with cancer, you know my story with Chris, Chris my husband, husband, and you know yeah. the path, the path that we took. And so my sister said, "Oh, Margie, I I've got a juicer and I bought all these organic." vegetables and fruits and I'm juicing for dad and he just won't, he won't do it. He did, I, can you help me to convince him to do this juicing? Yeah, it'll, you yeah. know, I know, you know, it'll really help his health. Yeah. And over the years since I had my experience, I learned that there is no evangelizing with people. No. If he had been open to it, like, yeah, I'll do anything, you know, tell me about yeah, this. Yeah, it's a different it, story. It would have been a different story. And I said, you are going to drive yourself crazy and yes. feel even more sad if you yep. try to get him do, to do something that he doesn't want to do. Right. So find out what he wants to do. And be with him. And be with him. Mm-hmm. So for him, it was 100% chemotherapy yep. and stem cell yep. transplant, and he went full into it knowing that he did everything he could. And when he died, we knew that he did everything that he could within the realm of what he was open to. Mm -hmm. And what more can you ask for? Mm -hmm. Then you play Frank Sinatra, I did it my (laughs) way. And yeah, and you know, some people go that path and have miraculous recoveries. So it's not ultimately up to, you know, going back to what I said about um, you can only be healed for a short amount of time by a healer. You know, we have to let go of the power that we can, we humans can heal someone. Yeah. Um, We can connect them Mm -hmm. to healing. And I totally agree with you with that story. And I've talked to people over the years that they come in and say, my my husband has cancer or my dad or mom has cancer. And I really like, exactly like you say, this story. 
And I tell them the same thing. Where number one, where where is your husband? Well, he's in the car. <laughs> in the car? Why doesn't he come in? Right. Yeah, hey, he's a little scared. He doesn't want to come in. I said, so now I'm going to tell you options. You're going to remember that. Go in the car. Tell your husband, and he doesn't listen to you anyway, right? I, I don't mean it's a negative way, but it is right. the yeah. connection yeah. that yeah. those two people have. Right. I said, and now he's going to say, well, I'm not going to do that. I said, it's okay. Whatever people decide, if indeed they like chemo and radiation and they live, it's great. If they pass away, they did it to the end the way they wanted to do it. And if they say, we're going to go on a macrobiotic diet or we're going to eat complete raw food or we're not going to eat at all or we're going to do all kinds of therapies, there are all different options out there. But when people hit a stage that is cancer, which both you and I know, it has become a very scary word. Mm-hmm. There is no guarantee that we're going to die of cancer or from cancer. It is just something that if the body wants to heal, it can heal from cancer. And we cannot force anybody, but if people, like you say, come in and say, can you educate me about working with cancer is it for yourself yes i was diagnosed with stage three stage four cancer stage one whatever then i will ask them what they have tried what they already know and then what would you like to hear from me not that i have different options here's a deck of cards tell pull pull a card and i'll tell you about it book an oracle card yeah yeah one of those and I realized that simply sharing what I know, and I try to do it in a compassionate way, and I said, there is no right or wrong here. There is you making a decision by yourself or with your partner, with your family. These are some options. Come back to me and let me know what you feel like. I want to add one more uh, very quick story. Years ago, I was doing this work like I am now, a friend of mine said, well, what do you do when people don't believe you? Like, how do you convince them? And and I'm talking, you know, more about the spiritual yeah, work yeah. of indigenous cultures. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember cocking my head like, huh? Well, yeah, like, how do you convince them to do what you want to do? And I said, which is very true, I don't have any skin in the game for convincing other people totally what to do totally. this is this is about being available for people who have this pull towards it mm-hmm. and whatever is healing for people in whatever tradition they follow and whatever they do is beautiful yeah that's why you're more like a guide Right. People show interest and you explain to them what, they're, what they see, what they would like to know more about. And in that case, you, you're unattached, but at mm-hmm. the same time, you're invested. Yeah, and this is the danger of you and I talking as we can never stop. Um, <laughs> also, a large catalyst 
for me really diving into connecting people to the earth is watching this town grow so fast and watching the number of people on trails, you know, my, it's not my private trail, but it seemed that way because nobody was ever on it. And all of a sudden there's toilet paper, you know, people are using the trails of their toilets and leaving toilet paper around. And you ask people, you know, why did you move here? And usually the answer is during COVID, post COVID, well, I wanted to um, be closer to nature. Yeah. And so it's like, all right, let's be closer to nature. And people have never been on a hike before. They don't know how to carry mm. their toilet paper out. So, yeah, it's it's up to us to be available for people who want that deeper connection. Mm. Let's get a part two at some point in the near future where we can continue. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Jacobus. Yeah, thank you, Margie. Really Always wonderful. fun. Folks, uh, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast. We hope you picked up on some gems. I did. If you want to learn more, please go to my website, healthinfocusnow.com. And at the bottom of the page, you can sign up for the newsletter or for the email at least. We're not going to bombard you. We're just going to keep you posted on new episodes or new articles. And hopefully you share it with other people. And as you listen to this podcast, click the like button and become a follower. But thank you so much for listening. We'll be back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.